Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane. Find me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Joined as always by Sean Martin, who you can find on Twitter at Sean Martin. NFL, Sean, uh, it's starting to get to be the dog days of summer, which means training camp is a- around the corner, just below the horizon. You know, sometimes when one idea gets shot down, it's because a better one is yet to come up. So I know a while back when the Orange and Renegades won the XFL championship, I pitched to our fearless leader and managing editor, RJ Ochoa, that we were going to be the only show on this network covering exclusively the Renegades. That didn't work, but I'm happy to say that he did approve that we could be the only show taking a summer hiatus to cover the 2023 Tour de France, which uh, I'm excited to get your takes on, you know, Tade Pergato and Jonas Vindigo and what's going on uh, over there with France right now. Of course, I'm joking for our listeners. We're about to get into football, but that's just a little bit of an aside for a sporting event that isn't as uh, widely covered and followed in the U.S. as it is internationally, but one that my family has always paid attention to. So I've been uh, keep my eye on that to help kind of get me through some football doldrums. But with training camp coming up, it's not going to be too much longer until we have some real X's and O's and football to really get into. Well, all I can say about the Tour de France is there, Lance Armstrong, you know, got busted with the steroids and all that. And then 10 years later, there was a multi- Super Bowl winning quarterback that went on his podcast and I was just like I mean I guess we'll do anything then won't we yeah the podcast realm is basically anybody can say anything these days we try not to abuse that here but uh, I had a a college class one time where we covered just like different current past issues in sports and how it was covered in the media and pretty laid back type of class but I had that and you know, I would contribute here and there, but overall, the professor who was also my advisor and things like that. Um, the professor thought that I was like, should have contributed more at times. And then she also didn't know I was a cycling fan. So we did a whole class on Lance Armstrong's case and his rise in the fall and all that. And I lit up and started talking about it as like the only one who really knew it and, you know, took kind of a different stance than she was taking. And she was like, man, where, where has this been all semester? I didn't realize we had a cycling fan in the room and the rest of the room was pretty confused too. Right, and that's the thing is I, I don't know anything about the Tour de France. All I know is Lance Armstrong got busted for steroids or whatever, performance-enhancing drugs. That's all really anybody knows about it. And Dak Prescott, in a way, that's kind of what his life has been for pretty much the last three to four seasons is not performance-enhancing drugs, nothing at all skirting the ethics or legality of the game, but 
a reputation of being injury prone and just not quality enough in the clutch or a stats pattern. And that's something that he addressed at his uh, eponymous camp at the Star over the weekend. Yeah, no, this is an event that you got to witness in person and see last year, so it's always good to, you know, see the consistency in these players wanting to not just do this once or twice, but really stake their name in the claim of, you know, wanting to give back to young players and really just spread the game to any generation. And on that note, you know, I found it interesting to hear Prescott kind of talk about how he stays relevant in the locker room with, you know, just things that are non-football related that players may be talking about. And, you know, he still has a great core around him and doesn't take any of that for granted. And I think his fans will try not to do the same as we get ready for camp. We're used to hearing, you know, different off-the-field type headlines just because it's the Cowboys. But they have the same relative core in place from a team that's won 12 games in back-to-back years. That's pretty uncharted territory for us as the fans to – kind of be okay of just being quiet at this point in the offseason. It's like the, the field has done, you know, what they've done on the field has done the work. They've proven that they deserve to be talked about as a contender, and most contenders would be happy being quiet right now. You know, what's happening in Chiefs camp? What's happening in, when the Patriots are good? Did you ever hear a word about them at this time of year under Brady? You know, no. So the Cowboys are trying to kind of do that same thing, and it's working so far. But he did say it's fun and challenging at times, knowing that I could stay connected stay in the now of what's cool, but the game is beautiful. It doesn't matter how old you are because you can play this game like a kid. So we know what the Cowboys players and Prescott's teammates think of him, think of him as a leader in this locker room, but just interesting to hear kind of how the new players come in and how he tries to put that effort in to get to know their interests and things like that. You think about the friendship he had with, that, with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and the way that those two should kind of be able to cover all your different types of interests and personalities and and such, and now without Elliott, it uh, falls on the quarterback, as it usually does, and John Prescott to be even more of that vocal leader for him. Yeah, and that's really what he does, is I think he's got a great perspective of where he's at in his career, what he's accomplished, but what's left to be accomplished, while also managing just kind of the perception. Because like I said, I... Uh, you know, it's injury prone and, oh, throws interceptions. And I'm not saying that's my perception of him at all, but just in terms of kind of the timeline uh, mentality that we live in, you know, in the push notification timeline lifestyle that we're all living in, that's unfortunately something that he has to overcome in the context of a team sport for goodness sakes yeah it's kind of you know I always remember the Jerry Jones quote multiple times he would talk about this kind of his biggest regret being at to that point not getting Tony Romo a Super Bowl or at least a chance to play in one but you know did he ever quite back it up with putting the team on the field around Romo I mean he had so many more games and fortunately Prescott's had to have where he had to really just put the team on his back and carry them and this master of chaos nickname that he would adapt and all those different things that, you know, kept the Cowboys relevant only because of what the quarterback was doing and not because of him also being surrounded by this talent. So it sure seems like Prescott understands that in terms of you're fortunate as an NFL quarterback, especially on your second contract, if you get to play with as much talent as they've compiled. And, you know, there's a sense around the whole team, I hope, not just a quarterback, that they don't want to waste any. There's Dan Quinn certainly doesn't want to waste 
when he's been given the opportunity to build on the defensive side of the ball, and you don't want to, you know, discourage the team from making any more trades if Brandon Cooks doesn't work out and things like that. So they've put together, you know, one of their better rosters in a long time here. It's been trending that way for years, and Prescott's been the beneficiary of it when it comes to a lot of wins and big moments and stats and all that. But the one thing you get graded on here, whether it's fair or not in Dallas, is playoff wins, and those have been absent. So he knows that, and he knows the pressure of finding a way to take that next step. And Troy Aikman, you were talking before the podcast, he had a rather, um, you know, kind of a glowing take on how Prescott handles the office of being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Yeah, it was really kind of taken back by and admired the fact that Prescott, you know, holds himself to that Super Bowl standard of, hey, this is what Dallas quarterbacks should be expected to do. Now, you know, I think the game has evolved enough from Aikman's days where, yeah, you need the quarterback to win, and we all know, you know, we expect to see the same names in there in the end. Every year, Jalen Hurts thrusted his name into it pretty quickly last year, and he was surrounded by such a good team, and that was a part of it. But, you know, we're, we're so used to Mahomes, and we were so used to Brady. So it's not like you don't need the quarterback to get there. But, yeah, the days of only knowing if a team is going to make it because of the quarterback are kind of behind us. Behind us, But still, Aikman enjoys the fact that Prescott's been pretty open about, you know, hey, if I want to be – regarded as one of the all-time greats here. If I want to go down as a Cowboys quarterback, that's really going to be memorable and not just for, you know, a niche part of the fan base that watched all my games or things like that. I need to go get that trophy. So that's a sentiment that's being echoed throughout McCarthy and Jerry Jones and throughout the top of this building too. And Prescott is firmly in the middle of that, saying that he understands the history of Cowboys quarterbacks. The truly great ones are great because they won that Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously – even an NFC Championship game appearance is missing from his resume to this point. It was missing from Tony Romo. So it's a a large gap to bridge and it could be daunting, but you know, when does Prescott ever back down from any type of steep competition or when the odds are against him, isn't that always when he plays his best? So I certainly wouldn't count him out in any of these circumstances. And I think it's pretty cool that he has the support and, you know, the admiration of an all-time legend and a Hall of Famer like Troy Aikman. And here's a guy that, again, Facing this immense pressure, uh, he could just say, you know what, Let I got to really focus this year. It's got to be the backyard, or it's got to be finding great uh, mental clarity. But instead, he's giving his time and his notoriety to, you know, a kid's football camp because... He felt it was, I don't know if you want to call it a calling, but it's something that he didn't have as a kid. And so he wanted to ensure that it was available for other kids his age because he wished he would have had one. Yeah, I can imagine you can go a little bit stir crazy at this point in the offseason. You know, your coaches are trying to hold you to doing some kind of workout, of course, and showing up to camp and safe. And that's not a concern at all with Prescott and many of these other players, but you know, to do something like this is a great change of pace. It doesn't, you know, get you out of that routine of, oh, am I doing the exact right thing every day? You know, you show up, you get back to the game, you get back to these kids and get to just kind of take the load off your shoulders for a day of, you know, all those things we just talked about. We're so, can add up pressure so quickly. I mean, we're just sitting here talking about it, but imagine living through it as far as knowing you have to win a Super Bowl or knowing that that's a standard, knowing that this team hasn't done so in 26 years. Like, all these things just, 
add up on you. And if you are committed to the game in the way he is, I can't imagine a better way to relieve some of that stress and do it in a great way and in a productive way to give back by just throwing with some kids and seeing what the next generation of the sport way down the line might look like. Yes, and Dak Prescott under center represents a certain depth at quarterback, but, you know, it doesn't really matter how deep you are at a position because attrition sometimes can really wear it thin. But still, you get a sense with the Cowboys' 90-man roster heading into training camp that there are positions that have considerable depth. What would you think those are as we get ready for Oxnard? You know, we have always slightly different answers here. Usually we do when we, you know, pitch these types of segments and we think about this team differently enough to do so. But I feel like there's a couple obvious answers for these next couple of questions. But the first obvious one is, of course, the deepest position being defensive end right now. I mean, it's just a stack to us to write it down. It's pretty, you know, great to see as far as just what they have to work with and stop what any coach has to work with. This is Dan Quinn who gets the absolute most out of every pass rusher, every defensive lineman, and he gets to deploy, you know, Parsons to Marcus Lawrence, Sam Williams, even Ben Benogo, who they signed late in the offseason and has contributed to other teams before, Dorrance Armstrong. And then Dante Fowler, you know, you go back and check his stats. I know I was surprised to see that he actually had six sacks last year. It wasn't, you know, it didn't seem like at all times he was making that type of impact, but when he was out there, yeah. He made plays. That's the most he's had since 2019 of the Rams. So the resurgence from him, it was good to get him re-signed in the offseason. That kind of went under the radar once you also traded for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Those were the offseason moves that everybody dwelled on, and we lost sight of what they usually do, which is not flashy at all, but they keep their own players, at least the ones that contribute, and Dante Fowler certainly contributed. So to have him back is great. And you see that top six right there, and then you can add in guys like Chauncey Golston or uh, rookie draft pick Filiami Fahoko, and the list just goes on as far as defensive ends that this team could deploy to give themselves a lot of different looks, be prepared for a different type of matchup. And if we are talking about way down the line, another playoff beating with the 49ers, you know, be ready for that type of game where you know you're going to see so many different run looks and Debu Samuel and have, have to get after a mobile quarterback. So all of that is prepared for when it comes to this defensive end group. Another position that I feel like has some depth is linebacker uh, because you got Leighton Vander Esch, you've got a Overshawn, you've got Jabril Cox, Damone Clark, and then throw in a little bit of Michael Parsons, and there you go. Yeah, these linebackers should have you know a good time out here on the field this year, to say the least. You know, when you get to we talk about the next step of this, as far as yeah, you're deep now, but are you ready to stand up to attrition? You know, just until your defensive line does everything we think it might be able to with Mozzie Smith tightening up the run defense and you brought back uh, Jonathan Hankins and Quentin Bohanna and then even Oso Diggy, Zua, and Neville Gallimore in there. You know, just until you're as, you know, as good as we've seen in the years and they move up to that and teams are just completely discouraged from running up the middle, then, yeah, these linebackers should be able to play free, go cover all the ground, which is something that Quentin covers and what they do all around in the back seven, you know, Jalen Coos throws his name in the hat there, and Donovan Wilson. And, yeah, you add in whichever linebacker takes full advantage of that. And, yeah, I think you could see any of those names, really. Even Overstone being a third-round rookie, make a lot of plays. You can see Devon Clark make a lot more plays than you might expect. Jabril Cox having that resurgence after having a pretty good OTA and offseason camp so far. Is that going to continue? 
in Oxnard, no reason to think right now that it shouldn't. My concern with the defensive end group, though, is you know with that run defense being stout up the middle, at least we hope it is, you know, teams are going to go to the outside. And I do kind of – there's one caveat to this group. I think it's kind of that contained in that run defense from the outside. You're stocked up good on these speed rush guys, get after the quarterback, try to make teams live in third and long and pin your ears back. But can you discourage teams from running up the middle? We think they've done that. Can you discourage teams from running on the outside when they're running it against guys like, you know, Sam Williams or Dante Fowler who are more pass rush than run defense at times? That's going to be the next question, and that's where you have your guys like Golston and Bahoko who can make an impact there. So those are some down-the-roster guys to you might not think are going to play a ton of snaps this year, but when they are in the game, it's for a clear role. It's for that run defense, and that's a very important part of this defense considering they haven't exactly tightened it up as often as they needed to. Well, I was going to save defensive tackle oddly for one of my positions that sneakily is pretty thin but could possibly be addressed. Um, we'll get to that in a second. I want to know what you think about tight end. Do you think tight end is actually one of their deep positions that can stand up to attrition? Uh, it's so hard to answer just because we have no idea like what the plan is as far as you know distribution of snaps and how many two tight end sets are we going to see in McCarvey's offense. I, I happen to think it could be quite a lot at this time, but – yeah, I think, you know, they, they're ready for a twist and just because of the quarterback. I think, you know, we just talked about Prescott. I think he's one of his best traits, just the ability to get the ball to any tight end, really. Just something that he's excelled at. And, you know, he threw those two touchdowns in the playoff game, the Dalton Salts, and where does that production go? It has to trickle down to somebody. So it's tight end by committee. And, yeah, I do think that, you know, they're deep enough there to withstand to certain, certain things because all their players kind of fit a similar mold. You know, if you lose Jake Ferguson – I don't think you can. Throw, I don't think you have to throw out the playbook and say that Peyton Henderson can't run the same route to execute the same plays. If you lose one of those two, I don't think that you know Luke Sumaker is just going to be completely lost out there to where you can't think that he'll make some plays. So yeah, I think this tight end by committee. You know, we need to see it sort out. We do need to see someone you know firmly take hold of that number one spot. And who's going to be your red zone target? That's when Prescott throws the tight ends the most. So who's going to be the beneficiary of those important red zone snaps and potential scoring opportunities. But beyond that, yeah, I like what they have in this group and certainly sky high potential is what they're banking on as opposed to kind of a proven commodity and Dalton Soltz and moved on to the Houston Texans. Not only that, but I think having Sean McKeon as, as a veteran adds a little security to the group in case you really start to take on some attrition. Of all the rooms on this team, you know, position groups where they break into their rooms during the season and training camp meetings, of all the rooms you'd like to be a fly on the wall, I think it just might be the tight end room. I mean, any of the defensive ones would probably be great if Quinn is going to be in there and, you know, the energy that they have and the Marcus Lawrence and defensive end room and things like that might be a good guess too. But, man, what do you, like, wouldn't it be fascinating just to see how this tight end room is going to play out? It just feels like such a jumbled up mix of different players and personalities and you know, most teams are happy to have one either really good to average starting tight end and then just kind of journeyman and you know what have you bland type of names behind it this team has four legitimate like different types of names who all have different levels of experience and different skill sets and all expecting to contribute so it'd be really interesting to see what those tight end meetings look like if anything i think that it's a bunch of big 10 guys so they may kind of have the 
same type of focus and football personality. Yeah, this is the last year of like the traditional college football conferences. So, you know, next year everything's going to be so jumbled up. You're going to forget what's a conference game and what's not for a while. But, yeah, this is the year to, uh, you know, live out your college football rivalries in the NFL locker rooms and make those bets and make your opposing players wear, the, wear your college jersey and things like that before it all gets shuffled. So hopefully we see some of that from the Cowboys locker room this year. I don't want to see Dak Prescott in like a Alabama jersey or something, but beyond that. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the thinnest uh, positions that, and whether or not they can be addressed. Um, You know, like I said, I think... Defensive tackle is, you know, just low-key, thin for this reason. What if something happens to Mozzie Smith? Maybe not necessarily in terms of his availability, heaven forbid, but in terms of his development. And so he's just another guy out there, which is basically what you had anyway last season with Quentin Bohannon, Neville Gallimore, and Jonathan Hankins. Just, you know, a couple of guys out there. Yeah, I already mentioned, you know, Chauncey Golston, Billy Army for Hoko. Those are guys who can not only help you just at defensive end, but they can kick inside the tackle. But that's why I raise some concern with the defensive end group down at the bottom of the depth chart as a whole, because there is a more – there is potential for, you know, a higher need to need those guys at tackle, and then you're really thin at defensive end. So – it's kind of a catch-22 thing or where these guys are more valuable. You do have, you know, enough bona fide true defensive tackles who can't really give you anything at defensive end to at least start the season right now. But, yeah, eventually one of these guys is going to get banged up. It's such a hard position. You're, you know, right in the middle of the action. You hear all the time that NFL players in general put themselves through a car crash every weekend and then have to recover to do it again the next week. And, you know, defensive tackle might be the truest uh, example of that. So, yeah, these guys are going to get banged up, and as of right now, are they ready to deal with that and find enough guys to turn what they really put the effort in to make this a strong position group? You know, if they were just waiting till later in the draft to address tackle and the plan was the same as all along, it's like, oh, we don't need to be great there. We're just going to get by, and the rest of the defense will carry us, and it'll be fine. Then that's one thing, but it's worse to lose players at a position that you actually put the effort in to get better at. You know, it derails kind of your whole plan, and takes you off a schedule of what you were trying to do. And so they spend a first round pick on a position that they don't normally address that high at all. And yeah, if that doesn't work out in any type of way, like you said, then they're not, you know, they don't have that backup plan as they get. And I don't even know if 
training camp in Oxnard is the right opportunity to, to find that backup plan. It's going to be more just, you know, having these defensive ends kick in and stacking the box with some of these eyebackers more and trying to just kind of change the defensive looks you give if the defensive tackle position gets thin. You're going through your Rolodex at that point because you really can't hit like we talk about until training camp, which affects your offensive and defensive lines. So it's kind of something that they would have to wing due to training camp. Um, it's, I mean, of course, kicker is a thin position. Would you consider running back a thin position? Uh, not not so much. I'm you know probably higher on these guys than I am the tight end room. I think that might be the minority answer if you ask Cowboys fans. There seems to be so much buzz about these tight ends that you know maybe it takes some of the pressure off a of running back in a weird way. But yeah, I like these running backs a lot. You know, of course, what Tony Pollard is is established, and what he does in a lead role back is to be determined. But the potential is certainly there. But yeah, I like any mix of Rico Dowdle, Malik Davis. You know, of course getting on the hype train early for Deuce Vaughn. So these guys are good to emerge. The opportunity is there. And, yeah, I do like a lot what they have at running back, and you know, especially a guy like uh, Malik Davis, who really, you know, limited opportunities, showed a lot and caught the eye of Mike McCarthy, who said as much recently. So, yeah, Malik Davis is a guy who can really step up and doubt as your veteran that shows some importance in the young room, just like McKean is the veteran in the tight end room that has some importance, like you alluded to. So, yeah, I think it's a good running back room, of course, you know, his first couple of games about Ezekiel Elliott, it's going to be just a little bit weird looking to, you know, not see Prescott and him jogging out on the field at the same time for that first possession. But, yeah, the potential for the overall offense because of the running back group to be more dynamic is there. And that has a lot to do with the way that Rico Dowdle and Davis and all these guys have stayed committed to the process and have put themselves in a position to really play some good football this year. And, of course, you can't forget uh, Hunter Lepke, who is – I think they're trying to see if they can carve out a John Kuhn, Aaron Ripkowski role for him since, oh, no, it's the same offense, same offense, same offense, uh, even though that's what. we got to make fullbacks Yeah, even though that's again. what Mike McCarthy had, both those guys in Green Bay. And, oh, he's calling the plays now, and his uh, mentor's son is the offensive coordinator. But, oh, no, same offense as Kellen Moore. Hey, if you could give me a – Two tight end set with Jake Ferguson, Peyton Henderson, and then Tony Pollard in the backfield with Hunter Lepke, and then CDLM in the slot or something like that. You know, I know we get carried away talking about these types of things before we even see them at camp, so we'll hold off on that until we start to actually see some formations. But that's just one right off the top of my head as far as a you know, potential way to light up that really gives you a dual threat look and where's the ball going, and it gives Prescott those check down options, and I mean, that's just a good look right there. And that's what's so great about football is it's nine months of that kind of stuff, of sitting around saying on Twitter or with your buddies or whatever, just saying, you know, if you can have these people who haven't played a total of four games together in their lives due to health and availability and all this kind of stuff can just drop back. I mean, you got something special. Who's going to make the first splash play at training camp? Hunter Upke? Or you know, it, here's what we need to do. They're going to get like, the same type of opportunities. We need to have, like, some sort of um, list on that. Because that 
would be a great bit to have on the Hidden Yardage podcast of who's going to have the first splash play. But, I mean, you know, the thing with training camp is it's so much hoopla. I mean, Dak Prescott just calls signals and people start cheering. Yeah, like I said last week, or it might have been two weeks ago at this point, uh, you know, I'm going to have to make plans one of these years to get out there to Oxford and see what it's all about. But, yeah, it's, um, do other, I mean, you're more in touch with other fan bases probably, at the very least the Texans fan base. Like, do other, you know, is this something that's just tunnel vision and, you know, we do this and other fans aren't? Or is this just across the league where, like, you know, a, a team beat reporter puts up a blurry cell phone video of a guy making a catch and, Everybody just loses their mind and becomes, you know, Super Bowl favorites because your third string receiver caught a touchdown in red zone. Yeah, it's not Super Bowl favorites per se, but it is an expectation above, you know, reality. Let's call it. Like I love watching, you know, training camp clips as much as the next guy because I mean, you're actually just watching something resembling football again, but. You know, also has been since season one all about, you know, putting context on things that that get lost sight of. And, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that when the time comes as far as how to properly evaluate certain things in training camp and all that. But, yeah, I love watching the highlights as much as the next guy. But there's a huge gap between, you know, the highlights you're making in your offseason in California and what you're going to bring to game day in September and beyond. For a team that expects to play into, you know, February, there's a big gap between what's happening now and, what they hope to happen in the wintertime. I know we don't get him, and you can get him anywhere, but that's why, you know, Brian Broaddus really is an asset to this thing is because he's been there as a scout, and he's watched practice tape as well. I mean, they film all the practices um, for all 32 teams, you know, and they look at it in-house and so forth. So, I mean – he knows if he if he gets excited about something at camp or in the context of off-season workouts, you know, that's worth listening to as opposed to just something really fabulous happening uh, that anybody can get. Yeah, the first key to evaluating it is, you know, the consistency and are they making plays. You know, the guy makes one splash play and – you're ready to already declare him a starter or anything like that. You, know, you want to see consistency and, you know, can he do it day in and day out? They start to put the pads on consistently so the wear and tear starts to be there and it starts to simulate a little bit more of what they'll feel during the regular season. So once that all happens, are they consistently making plays where it's day in and day out and you're not getting too high oil on any one given play? Yeah, so, um, again, I mean, like I said, expectation – above reality so that's kind of what happens around training camp time all right let's go ahead and get to cowboys birthdays on tuesday dale hellestray turned 61 years old he's with the cowboys from 1990 to 2000 and he was their first long snapper so to speak hellestray started out as a tackle in his career and that's how it'd be. Your long snapper, your holders would kind of be guys that doubled up at other more consequential positions. And, you know, as his career went on, well, he became a long snapper. 
Then on Tuesday, Phil Costa center. He turns 36 years old. On Tuesday, he's with the Cowboys from 2010 to 2013 from Morristown, New Jersey. Where is that, Sean? Yeah, it's dangerously close to a you know the South Jersey cutoff line for being Philadelphia sports fans. So if you didn't grow up an Eagles fan, he most definitely you know grew up around a lot of Eagles fans and pretty firmly in Eagles territory just outside of Philly there. So it's really interesting to see that and know that he played for the Cowboys. And where – so he's Taylor – I mean, he's pork roll? He would probably be Taylor Ham down there because it's like just outside of Cherry Hill, uh, which is a very noted Eagles town. So and they probably and then, they call it Taylor Ham down there. And then he doesn't believe in Central Jersey, right? Uh, That's kind of tough. Like, I don't know. South Jersey, like, is their own bubble, man. They just kind of keep to themselves down there. They, they, I don't even think they know that the rest of the state exists. So, like, you know, I think they just would like to put up a fence and say that they're their own state, that little, like, knob part of the state where it turns inland. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. He probably doesn't believe it exists because, you know, again, they kind of just want to be their own state or just, like, let Philadelphia and Pennsylvania redraw their state lines and claim them, considering they're all Philly sports fans anyway. But, yeah, that'd be interesting, interesting to find out. But, and you think about some of those Eagles teams, that's such great offensive lines and things like that and quarterback play. And then you know, here's Phil Costa who played his day, his high school days down there and and then uh, you know, goes on to play for the rival Cowboys. Also on Tuesday, turning 27 years old, is Dalton Schultz. Of course, former 2018 fourth-round pick. So the Cowboys through the 20. 20- 22 season uh we alluded to him throughout the the podcast sean yes he gonna be another player that prescott kind of helped make and his production falls off or is he going to be a a really valuable asset for you know this new york houston texas team who of course made a big splash in the draft and have a lot of lot going for him right now so they need the help they can get the skill positions though and they're really expecting a lot out of dalton salts considering he was their big Free agent addition, so yeah, we'll see just how much of his game was dependent on Prescott or not. Pretty quickly here, I think he'll do okay because he kind of came onto the scene in 2020 when Blake Jarwin blew out his ACL, and then of course Dak gets injured and he's playing with Andy Dalton. Yeah, I think you know I think he'll be good as well, especially you know in a type of offense where he's going to be asked to do some more things to. What he did here in Dallas, you know, stretch the field vertically up the seam, be reliable, you know, throw down, out of the pocket, quarterback on the move type of target. So, you know, good on the Texans for identifying a player that was already in the scheme similar to what they want to do now, it seems, and keeping it that way as opposed to a lot of these teams going through a rebuild, kind of just take a hodgepodge of players from different schemes. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't care what they were doing previously. We got to just figure out what they could do here now. And it doesn't quite work out, but. Yeah, Dalton Soul seems to be a fit for this offense, and I know a lot of Cowboys fans will be keeping a close eye on him. And then on Wednesday, Kellen Moore, a former offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, and quarterback turns 34. From the Pacific Northwest up there in Washington, so an area that I'm slightly familiar with. I feel like I only have, like, Montana up there, and it's, like, weird because most people, like, you know, the general public, like, way more people have visited Oregon or Washington compared to Montana. So I'm like, I'm kind of familiar, but I picked the you know the weird state of the bunch, even though Montana's great. But 
Yeah, Kel Moore this week, uh, past week, said that Dak Prescott's one of the best leaders or the best leader, really, that he's been around. So continuing high praise for the Cowboys quarterback this offseason. And then on Friday, Rolando McClain uh, turns 34 years old. Uh, he is with the Cowboys from 2014 to 2015 and represents one of those, you know, finds for the Cowboys pro personnel department to where, you know, when you have a little success, it's that one bit of success that makes you think you have a shot in every instance, even though your success rate may be 30% hit rate. They did it in 2014 in training camp. Well, you know, maybe we can do it again, and then they don't do it again until Malik Hooker in 2021. So, but that's what McLean represents. Yeah, we opened the show talking about, you know, Prescott realizing the opportunity he has to play with so many other great players around him right now and how that doesn't always happen. I mean, for comparison, the quarterback right before him, Tony Romo, his best defense is probably this 2014 team, and you look at their personnel, and they vastly outseated, you know, exceeded expectations. Rolando McLean was the starting middle linebacker for this team and came out of nowhere to actually be a good player that year and contribute. So it's still kind of one of the great mysteries of this generation of Cowboys fans as to why that 2014 defense was actually as good as it was. And, you know, even still the season ended in heartbreak and the Dez Cats and all that at Lambeau Field is all he had to say about that. So, you know, now Prescott, of course, gets the beneficiary of playing for a legitimate defense that has much more than just, you know, a guy like Rolando McLean out there. But, yeah, when he was on for that 2014 season, it was really something to watch because he was everywhere on the field. He intercepted passes, got everybody else lined up, and made that defense much better than it actually was on paper. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. Uh, quick update, no. I still have not found any takers for Semi Fajoko. Yeah, it's going to take a training camp injury at this point. We're too close. Everybody likes what they have. Best shape of their life season this year. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's in the best shape of their lives well sean we've got two more weeks of this and then it's all serious all business all the time from here on out two weeks from today we'll also find a way to work in you know some obscure random pop culture references and other sports but yeah certainly looking forward to training camp like i said you know a while back uh, it's something that when i very first started covering football at all and the cowboys it just so happened to be around the time of the year where the first thing I was going to have to dive into and get my feet wet with was training camp. And at first I had no idea what I was doing, so I never really paid attention to camp from that type of lens before. But it came to me pretty quickly as far as it actually being one of my favorite times of the year. Sometimes even more so than the regular season, depending on how your team does, of course. Covering camp could be fun from the perspective of you know, just analysis and what the team is looking like. So we'll be sure to do that for you here on all of our shows across the uh, BTB network. And on bloggingtheboys.com for you. All right, subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Follow Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL, myself at The Real Mark Lane. So there it is. Yeah.